This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Allen back to throw again. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped. And it's intercepted. CJ Mosley's got it. Runs right to the 10. 5. Touchdown. Jones has a kick away. Bradley McDougal. Welcome back to the final part of our training camp kickoff mailbag uh, for CYJ pod parts two and one are both available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else, but this will be the last part of our, of our training camp kickoff mailbag. We should have more episodes later this week uh, that aren't mailbag questions. And then maybe we'll have another mailbag uh, next week or the week after that. So uh, just stay tuned for all the content coming your way from the CYJ feed. Uh, but you can find us uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, uh, you can also find us at jetsxfactor.com, uh, which is the best place to go for Jets content. Make sure you go check out the shop. There's a few new uh, rookie T-shirts that were released a few days ago. Um, so you should go check those out. And as always, just has a, a, amazing Jets content. Uh, and you can also follow us at Pod on Twitter. You can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nania. And you can follow myself at Ben W. Blessington. So without further ado, let's just hop right into part three. At BigVin82 asks, what are the chances of Sam having a year that convinces Jets Brass he's the franchise QB we've been waiting for with the current wide receiver stable? Um, I've answered a lot of these first, so I guess I'll throw it to you, Michael, so you get first dibs on this question. I think the chances are pretty good. Uh, is it a guarantee? Definitely not. But with the emphasis on the offensive line, I think has given him – a really good chance to uh, – not really good, but solid chance to take that leap uh, going forward. And in terms of uh, having a season that's not just improved, but also proves their, or convinces uh, based on the question that he is the franchise quarterback going forward. Uh, I, I think to do that, he just has to have uh, a season that uh, if he can, he's 23 years old. So if he can at, tw- at 23 years old, have a season that is comfortably unquestionably top 10 to 12 in the league, I think you could feel really good about that going mm-hmm. forward. So that would be, somewhere just to throw some numbers out there maybe a 95 passer rating 32 touchdowns 12 picks something like that and the offense being average to above average uh, because there are other factors he can't control but at least average I think that'd be a good jumping off point for a 23 year old quarterback going forward so hopefully that's what you get from him and I think the chances are solid second year in a system for the first time in his career, uh, and he's talked about it uh, being more comfortable in this in the system, and obviously he's going to say that. But I think it is uh, le- a legitimately 
helpful thing. Uh, but it all comes down to the O-line. Can that unit stay healthy? Can they gel with this offseason being shorter and no preseason games? Uh, and can they fulfill their talent level and be an average unit? Uh, if they can do that, I think Darnold should be in good shape. Yeah, I think, you know, sure, do the Jets have elite talent, especially on the outside with the receivers? No, but I, I do think that the Jets have enough talent. I think the biggest thing is the offensive line, and I think they've elevated their offensive line enough. Fingers crossed. We'll see how they gel over the first few weeks, but uh, especially by midseason, I think they've upgraded that offensive line enough to be middle of the pack O-line, and then certainly we'll, we'll keep building with, uh, with Joe Douglas. But when you look at you're getting Chris Herndon back, which is absolutely massive. He's honestly – in some ways, you know, your number one receiver and Sam Darnold's favorite target from his rookie year. He missed the entire season last year when I was expecting him to have a big year last year. So that would be absolutely massive. You're also getting back Ryan Griffin from the end of last year who, who uh, or from last year who, who missed the end of last year with an injury. So you're going to have two very solid tight ends. I mean, I think, you know, we'll see how Herndon develops, but I think Herndon can develop into a top 10 tight end in this league, or at least a top 10 receiving tight end in this league. And I think Griffin is, you know, a solid number two tight end. He's no slouch. Then, you know, you look at, you have the best running back, or at one point, the best running back in the league, arguably the best receiving running back, the best check down running back, the best receiving running back in the league, uh, and was viewed before last year as arguably the best pure playmaker in all football. You have him in the backfield. You know, I, I like Frank Gore and Michael P. Ryan as well, providing depth. And then when you move to the receivers, I think there's a lot of potential there. I mean, I wish it was a deeper unit. You know, I wish it was more proven, but one, Jamison Crowder, as you mentioned, is a top 10 slot option in the National Football League who has great rapport with Sam. So, you know, he's going to get at least 100 catches this next year. Denzel Mims is a guy I'm super excited about. Um, you know, we'll see how he develops, but, you know, uh, people have compared him to DK Metcalf. I'm not going to make lofty comparisons to, to start off his career, but he was a guy that I was very surprised Um fell uh, to the second round. And I think he's the type of receiver that Sam Darnold has never had. And the type of the receiver that, that the jets really haven't had since Brandon Marshall, he's not, I mean, and he's super fast, but it's how physical he is, how he wins jump balls and contested catches. Uh, and he's an explosive playmaker. I mean, you think he's perfect for Sam Darnold. We'll see how he is in year one, but I think long-term that was uh, that's your, you know, at least a number two receiver for Sam for the next few years. And then Brashad Perriman, you know, I was on board with resigning Robbie, especially for what he got. But Robbie was not perfect. He was a fairly one-dimensional uh, receiver, made a lot of little mistakes, which bothered Adam Gase, was not the crispest route runner, um, you know, messed up a lot on, on timing. A lot of times where you'd see receivers running into each other or two receivers right in the same area where it definitely looked like it shouldn't have been. I don't mean to say anything, but Robbie was in the middle of that a lot. You can watch uh, Robbie Sabo, no, no pun intended, had a uh, – had a video on Robbie Anderson and why he shouldn't be brought back for, for the contract that he was expected to get. But Perriman was a guy who finished last year, you know, as good as anybody in the NFL and brings a lot to the table that Robbie brought. I mean, he, he probably is a more of a rounded skill set, but a lower floor than Robbie is what I would say. Um, so in essence, what I'm trying to say is the Jets have ample weapons for Sam Darnold. Uh, so, you know, it's not perfect. He's not, you know, in Kansas city with Tyreek Hill and, and, Travis Kelsey and Clyde Edwards Alaire or, you know, any of the other top places. Certainly the Browns have done a better job of surrounding Baker Mayfield with talent and probably the bills. You're hoping that the jets can take that next step into getting a legitimate number one wide receiver, hopefully in addition to Mims and other, you know, keep building out the offensive line next year. But this year I think he has good enough talent. And I think it all comes back down to the offensive line. It'll help him having familiarity in the system. Like you said, 
helping, you know, hopefully he's going to go through his progressions faster. He'll also hopefully have more time uh, to create, which is when he's at his best is when the play breaks down and you can't really capitalize that when, you know, he's being hit within two seconds because there's a miscommunication on the offensive line. You know, when he has four five, six seconds to dance around in the pocket, run around, he's like a big Ben. He's like a Tony Romo. That's his biggest uh, positive as I would say, hit that and throwing on the run. So, all in all, uh, yeah, the improved offensive line and uh, will be the biggest difference in addition to the familiarity in the scheme, taking that second-year jump, and then I, I think the weapons are, are enough. Um, at William Kerr 87 uh, asks, if you're picking your 53, uh, who are you taking at wide receiver and cornerback? Any outside bets on an undrafted guys making the roster? Biggest name you, uh, you believe will not make the squad come cut-down day? Uh, I don't know if those last – Michael, do you think those last two questions are still referring to receiver and corner, or is that just a overall roster? I think more. I think that's more the overall roster. But okay. I, I guess I'll start out on this one. Uh, in terms of the undrafted free agents, I think this is a year where it's going to be really hard for one of them to make the team. You have no preseason uh, to show off. There was no rookie minicamp. So it's going to be really hard for those guys to make the team. They actually already – and now this guy's probably had – the worst chance of any of them but they already cut Dominique Davis who was one of the undrafted free agents uh and again he probably had no chance he was a D lineman I actually ranked him last on my ranking of every single player on the team so I'm one for one right now Uh, actually I ranked him and Ian Berryman the punter they for some reason had those two guys the bottom two in my ranking and they're already gone so I'm two for two on that so uh, I think it's going to be tough for the undrafted free agents, but Bryce Huff, I think has a good chance. Friend he's, of the podcast. Yeah. Friend of the podcast. Um, I think he's uh, a better than undrafted talent. I think he's going to make the team. I do think yeah. he is, even with these circumstances, just because of how weak they are in terms of juice at the edge spot as a pass rusher. So I'm going to go with him as an undrafted free agent, but in terms of receiver and cornerback, uh, I think with receiver, you're going to see Mims, Perriman, Vincent Smith, Barrios. Those guys are locks. Smith and Barrios because of special teams. Um, and beyond them, then Crowder. I think the competition gets Crowder. wide open there. Um, Crowder. I, oh, yeah, and Crowder. <laughs> How did I forget him? Um, but I think beyond those five, uh, I think Josh Doxson is a good chance. He's, prob- he's probably more talented and – somehow more accomplished than the rest of the guys in this competition. Uh, maybe one of the uh, Lawrence Cage or George Campbell makes a play. I don't think so, but the door is open. I think I'd go with those six at receiver. The first five I mentioned plus Doxon. Then at cornerback, I'd probably go with Desir, Bless Austin, Millette, Quincy Wilson, Bryce Hall, and Brian Poole at the cornerback spot. So that's probably what I'd go with those two. Uh, and the biggest name I think won't make the team – Come cut down day. That that's a tough one. That's yeah, tough one. I was thinking that too. We don't they, really have many big names. They don't really have anyone who I think would be in that boat because their bottom of the roster is just so weak. Anyone whose name is big enough is probably would, making this team. I would say maybe Brian Winters, but yeah, I, you I, that's, know, a, given, that's what came to mind. But it's like, but given like you all know the, who he is, but he. And And you can get rid of his contract. Right. And given, and given all the, the injuries that you had last year, like anyone would be surprised. It's the number one guy. Everyone wants to be cut. Right. And, and, and given all the injuries you had last year, like, you know, is he a good starter? No, 
But if he's coming off the bench in week 11, like I'm feeling okay with Brian Winters. It's certainly better than throwing Tom Compton out there. So, you know, I don't think he gets cut. Um, yeah, I can't really think of that. I mean, is anybody coming to, to mind for you? I don't really. I mean, maybe just to throw someone out there, I don't think so. But just to pick one for the sake of this, maybe Edoga, because I think just because Joe Douglas signed fan, obviously likes him to sign that deal as a, you know, a player that is, has a lot of projection involved, signed fan. Uh, Edoga has had a lot, a lot of questions, I think, with his uh, just maturity, commitment, things like that. That doesn't fit in with what Douglas wants. Uh, he was a Mike McCagden pick. So, no, there are some reasons for maybe making him a surprise cut. I don't think so. He's a third-round pick last year. I yeah. kind of hope he wins the right tackle job. So, right. I do not think so. But just to throw one out there, that's um, maybe a dark horse surprise pick. Uh, yeah, I think there I, are some reasons there. Yeah, I, I mean, again, I don't see that happening. Just be, and I, know yeah, you I, I don't think so. No, I'm just throwing it out there. Um, if – Along the same lines of thinking, you know, maybe a second-year player who's picked by Mike McCagnan. Uh, but this is at a spot that has a lot more competition. Blake Cashman, maybe? I could see him potentially yeah, being that's cut. actually one that makes sense. Just because that position is so deep, you have right. Owasso, Burgess, and Neville Hewitt there. So, right. you know, there's All a lot fighting. of competition. In addition to Avery, maybe Avery's the guy, but I, I think they'll Yeah, that's him. another one that makes sense. But at this point, I don't think uh, – I mean, he is already on – or still on PUP – so, right. you know, obviously he's still recovering and they have a lot of depth there. Uh, depth there. Uh, I, I don't see it, though, this late in the offseason and uh, yeah. just the talent difference. But I, I guess it is on the table as a potential one. Right. I think, I think they're going to keep five inside linebackers, Mosley, Avery, you know, Peanut, uh, Hewitt, and then those last two spots. I mean, maybe Hewitt is in this group, but those, that last spot is going to be between Blake Cashman and James Burgess. And honestly, I think yeah. Burgess probably played better than Cashman last year, but Cashman also yeah. has higher upside, was a captain in Minnesota, was a rookie last year. I uh, was probably better in coverage or was at least higher upside there. So I, th- I think Cashman will make it, but he's if I had to choose one, he might be it. Um, okay. Uh, Keeping – oh, actually, I, I guess I didn't answer the other parts of this this question – um, which would be, again, I agree with you on, on corner. On wide receiver, I agree with you again. Um, but I will say, and, and Connor Hughes uh, from The Athletic mentioned this as well, that I think the Jets are going to be very active uh, on the waiver wire, maybe at corner as well, except I actually think they have solid depth at corner. Um, but at receiver, I think uh, you said Barrios and Smith are locks. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I think they're locks for the initial – 53 but especially when the waiver wires roll around I, I could see adam gase wanting to bring back to marius thomas um given the the you know uncertainty this offseason he's a guy who knows the the off the offense um so i could see them bringing him him in i could see them signing somebody who gets cut um so between Doxon, barrios and smith you know i think they're tentatively making the 53-man roster but it wouldn't surprise me if at least one of them uh you know isn't on the team uh, come week one against the Bills. Yeah, uh, yeah, I was probably going a little too far calling Smith and Barrios locks. I think they've they're, maybe 90% is a good number to put right. that. I think they'll make the team, but you know, the door is open. Those guys have uh, not proven enough to be locks. So, you know, if anyone else really shows out in camp, then the, or if there's a, a name they like a lot on the waiver wire, then, you know, they can definitely take one of those spots. Right. And as you said, one of those undrafted receivers, uh, Lawrence Cager, George Campbell, uh, you know, I could see them potentially beating out Barrios and Smith as well. And Dotson. Uh, and I agree with you on Bryce Huff, you know, I, I was 
really impressed when we had him on for, for a film session. You can find that at Jets X Factors YouTube. Um, I think he'll make the team and, and primarily just because of how, how dire that edge rusher spot is. Um, we'll keep it moving here. We have two more. Uh, at Jets Midwest asks, with the loss of Adams and onboarding of McDougal. Oh, hmm. Oh, I th- okay. I think he's trying to say the onboard. It. I don't. Okay, with lots of Adams <laughs> and and we'll just say Bradley McDougal uh, joining the squad. What adjustments are we likely to see Greg Williams uh, make in a sch- in scheme and play calling? Michael, I guess I can throw this over to you first. Um, but certainly, you know, Jamal Adams. Uh, yes, he's a strong safety, but he you know affects pretty much every single person on that defense. He's a very valuable piece um, for Seattle. Definitely happy with the the return we got, and Bradley McDougal's no slouch. But Michael, I'll throw it to you first. How? What are the biggest differences that you, that you think you'll see in uh, Greg Williams' scheme? Well, Robbie Sabo did a really good breakdown on this exact question uh, at JetX. That so definitely check that out. It explains it a lot better than I probably could. But essentially, what it kind of is getting at is that uh, with Adams to McDougal in coverage, not that you're not losing a lot because Adams, look, he's great in coverage. And you are downgrading there, but that's McDougal's strong suit. He can man up against tight ends. He can go in the slot. I've even seen some reps from him uh, against receivers out of the backfield against running backs. He closes well. He can play cover two, single high. That's not his strong suit. He's better in man coverage, uh, but he can play the deep part of the field. That, that's kind of why his numbers went down this past season, at least in terms of coverage and grades and stuff like that, because uh, he's, he was playing more uh, deep zone, and that's not his strong suit, but he can do it. Uh, but in the box, man coverage – or coverage in the box uh, against tight ends, uh, he is not too much of a downgrade from Adams there because he's really good in those areas. But in run defense, I think that's where the biggest drop-off is. And that's not to say McDougald is terrible there, but I think he's definitely below average. Joe Blewett will have a lot of clips of that, uh, of some examples of him struggling – against the run, but that's kind of where the drop-off is going to be. So part of how they can make up for that is using Brian Poole uh, and bringing him in the box to kind of take over some of the uh, some of the reps that might have gone to Adams, you know, playing uh, at kind of that hybrid outside linebacker kind of position on the edge, uh, coming off the backside to defend runs, uh, just taking a lot of those reps from Adams in the box, some of those going to Poole, and then you can bring McDougald over to cover the slot on reps pool would be playing it so pool is a big part of this he could uh he's going to be a big hybrid piece in terms of both doing what he does in slot coverage but also playing a little bit of a safety role and doing some of the things that jamal adams did Uh, and marcus may as well could be coming down from the single high to kind of cover up a little bit of that as well and having mcdougald who has more experience playing deep than i think adams does not that adams couldn't or didn't do it because he did but mcdougald can do that so i think you're going to see more of may down in the box as well a little bit more he'll still mostly be up high because that's his strength but a little bit more of him uh, but the biggest thing is I think Poole is going to be playing a big part uh, in filling the shoes of Adams but Robbie Sabo had a, a really good breakdown of this question with re- some a few visuals uh, of how the defense could look uh, with this trade being made and how it how it, it's going to change in 2020 but I think Poole is the biggest x factor here right. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is that, that, you know, Jamal Adams may have been the MVP 
of the Jets' 2019 defense, but Brian Poole is the X factor for the uh, the uh, Tampa two situation that we were talking about. Did we already talk about that on the podcast? The, yeah, the you early? did bring. Okay, it up. okay, yeah. <laughs> it's been a long one. It's gonna be <laughs> cut up into some pieces, uh, to, to some pieces. Um, but yeah, I mean, Brad, I think you, I think you did a good job. That that uh, Bradley McDougal is a, is a good replacement. He's not the same player that that Adams is. Uh, he's not as fast. Um, he's not going to be as much of an outside linebacker, but Brian and Poole, pass rushing too is a big thing. McDougal right. doesn't have a ton of experience doing that and doesn't have much speed either. But Poole is also probably going to be filling up some of those blitz reps. Right. Left over I think I think you'll see Poole. Um, I think you'll see May do it. But the guy I think that out of all those DBs that you're going to see, um, and he won't be able to do everything that Jamal Adams can do. But I think you're going to see Ashton Davis be blitzing quite a bit, right? Yeah. Because he's going to be playing that three safety look, um, you know, and by the way, he played everything for Cal. So he's similar to, to Jamal in that you know, aspect because he did play linebacker. He played strong safety. He played free safety, slot corner, outside corner. He returned kicks. He was a team captain and he was a, a hurdler or whatever too. So he has the athleticism and the versatility to do this. But as a rookie, I think, yeah, he's going to, he's going to have some rookie struggles. So I'm glad that they got McDougal, so you're not forcing him to start. But what, what Ashton Davis can do is one in those three safety looks. It gives you a lot of versatility. If you want to have Davis play back, you can put May in the box and, and put uh, McDougal in man coverage or whatever. Um, but I think in dime looks, uh, Ashton Davis is going to be the fourth corner that you bring. I mean, corner. Uh, he's going to be that, that second slot guy you bring in. So let's just say that the Jets outside corners are Desir and Bless Austin. Your inside guys are Pool, and then you'll have Ashton Davis. And I think you'll see Davis blitzing a lot from that spot, even if he's not playing corner per se. I think you're just going to see him dropping down. And just to utilize his speed um, and bring him off the edge, he's not going to, he doesn't have the same you know, pass rushing moves that you know, Jamal had. But I think you're going to see a lot of corner blitzes and safety blitzes using Ashton Davis as the primary guy. May can do it. McDougal, not as much. But Ashton Davis does bring the athleticism uh, to do it. And I think Greg Williams is going to have a lot of fun with, with him uh, in that role. Um, all right, last question uh, from at Masked Le'Veon. Uh, with Adams out the door, do you believe Joe Douglas now has full freedom to build the roster how he wants? It felt like, it felt like with previous GMs that they were always fighting for their, their job. You think ownership is just going to let Douglas do his thing? I mean, I don't think Adams. I think Adams going out the door does show a little bit that that Joe Douglas has has control. That the ownership didn't. You know, man, I guess probably Woody Johnson didn't take too kindly to, to Jamal Adams calling him out. But um, you know, Jamal Adams does bring in a lot of jersey sales. He is a top player. The Jets don't draft many potential Hall of Fame players, so you know they had confidence in Joe Douglas. The thing I'll say about that because we don't really know what the exact structure is like. But I do agree, or I do think that, that Joe Douglas has more freedom than, than other past GMs. And the way I kind of feel is, you know, with other GMs, I was always kind of worried about what they were doing and, and thinking about, well, do they have a plan? What are they doing? It kind of just seems like they were just treading water. You know, if they would make this move kind of for the sake of making this move and draft this guy for the sake. But with Joe Douglas, I really feel like he has a concrete plan and a, and a, a, a plan that will lead to the Jets becoming – a perennial contender it might not be you know in the next year next two years maybe not the next three years but he has six years to build it so that should be a, a one an initial sign that that chris johnson fully believes in him and is just going to let him do his thing um but with joe douglas you know i'm really not that and we'll see how his draft picks plan, pan out but i feel like i'm spending a lot less energy worrying about the jets front office i feel like i'm just sitting back and relaxing as a fan should be uh and letting joe douglas you know do his job i, I think he has a, a plan 
He has a vision. He knows how to win in this league. You know, he's been, he's seen plenty of Super Bowls, three, and it was a major part of rebuilding the post Chip Kelly Eagles into a Super Bowl contender within two years. And he knows it's to protect the quarterback and get after the quarterback, as we said earlier. So I'm very confident in Joe Douglas. I, I, yeah, I, I liked his plan or I liked his, his uh, the way he executed this offseason. It seems like he had the smart approach to penny pinch this offseason with what's transpired. Um, you know, I, I like the value he got in the draft, the way he was able to move back and get Mims, what he got for Adams. And as I said on the, the emergency pod for Jamal Adams, you know, this is these picks and look, Jamal Adams is an amazing player, but these picks is the Jets golden ticket out of, out of being seller dwellers. I'm not saying that they're going to, you know, they have to execute on, them. you know, if it was Mike McCagna making these picks, I'd be a lot less confident, but if Joe Douglas is who we think he is and he's assembled the front office that we think he has, he has a awesome uh, and, you know, pretty much unprecedented chance uh, for, for any Jets GM in recent memory to really get the Jets turned around and into a, a team that is not a laughing stock, not the butt of every joke, um, but a team that's in the playoffs every year. Because with four picks in the first two rounds, or in the first round for two years, five picks within the first hundred, I mean, that's a lot of flexibility. That's a lot of picks you can build around Sam Darnold. You can trade down and get more picks, build out your roster, build out the depth. I love Jamal Adams, but, you know, paying a strong safety 18 to $20 million might not be the wisest thing for, for the team right now. I think that's another thing is Joe Douglas has a tremendous understanding of positional value where Mike McCagnan pretty much had his, his head in the sand about it. I mean, he was drafting interior defensive linemen after interior defensive linemen. He was paying big money to running backs and inside linebackers. Um, he was ignoring the offensive line and Joe Douglas knows that you need, you know, a left tackle, you need a quarterback, you need an edge rusher and you need a corner probably that, that, you know, you can maybe survive without the corners, but he knows the, the, the positions um, that have value. And so you move a guy and Adams who's an amazing player, but at a, at a position that, you know, isn't super value valuable and a guy who wanted to get out and God forbid he gets injured and whatnot, you got max value. And now you have this capital to really, really shift um, the, the Jets and Joe Douglas's vision. And from what I've seen in one year, I'm really excited to see what that vision uh, looks like in 2022 and beyond. That was a bit of a, another tangent. I think I got in about six of them this episode. I mean, the episode's going to be broken up, so never mind. But, um, Michael, uh, just kind of what are your thoughts, I guess, on, on Joe Douglas having the, the freedom from ownership to do what he wants, his plan, his vision, and how he's done so far? Yeah, I, I think it definitely seems like he does have some room to do that, just based on I think it's been a mostly – patient route like you said uh, trading Adams isn't the easiest thing to do as a team that doesn't have a lot of marketability doesn't have a lot of recent success to bank on uh, definitely takes a little bit uh, you know having that thumbs up from the ownership to be able to do that uh, so I think it definitely does seem like he has some of that freedom um, did past GMs not have that freedom I'm not sure if I ever felt that way but I think that definitely with Douglas, it feels like he has some room to, uh, even if not necessarily do what he, he does have the room to do what he wants to do. But I think the biggest thing is that he has the freedom to be patient with this rebuild and he isn't rushing anything uh, and isn't pressured into making big money free agent signings uh, like some of the ones that, you know, he could have made this off season at the offensive line, other positions, but decide to be a little more frugal and a little more, uh, just smarter and more patient with his monies. But uh, I think you laid out a lot of the points that I would have said positively about him. There are a lot of things to like 
about his approach this offseason. So I'm really excited to see how he builds this team and if he can successfully hit on those picks. I think, like you said, it is uh, this Adams trade uh, as the exclamation point this offseason. Uh, it's the golden ticket to get them out of uh, this uh, the sea of perpetuity that they've been in. It's They have the ticket now. They have all these lottery tickets. Now you just got to get to the train station. They got to find it. They got to hit on those picks. So you have the path out. Just got to get there now by hitting on the draft picks. So that's going to be the biggest part. But they have a, a GM who I think has given them the path to get there. And to get back to the original question, does he have the full freedom to build the roster how he wants? I think he clearly does, just based on uh, the patience of this route and the long-term vision. Uh, not all teams buy into that. We've seen the Jets not buy into it before, but it seems like they are now. So I'm excited to see what Douglas does. Yeah, I mean, I, I think every GM that's that's managed the Jets have had you know freedom to manage the roster the way they want, but I think they were on a much shorter lease, whereas I feel like Douglas, the six-year contract is a very long leash to be patient and not have a playoff mandate within two years or, or whatever. I, I don't see the Jets firing Joe Douglas, you know, at the earliest, maybe after, you know, it depends on the, I guess I shouldn't jinx anything. It depends on these picks go, but anyways, I, I just feel like he has a lot longer of a time to build the team up the right way, not rush anything, just understand where they are as a team. Um, you know, even if they're not going to be in the playoffs for two, three years, but if they're building and accumulating talent the right way and he's hitting on these picks, then all of a sudden by year four, year five, now you're looking at, oh, now we're one of the top teams in the league. You know, it's been such a journey to try to get back up there since the Rex days. Those teams were largely built on Eric Mangini or Eric Mangini and Mike Tannenbaum, I guess. They're drafting. And then Rex was, was a hell of a coach and motivator and he brought in some vet pieces and that topped it off for the Jets. But then the drafting quickly fell off. So, you know, if Joe Douglas can bring back that, you know, uh, level of drafting, um, especially with all these picks and he can build up the team. Um, then I think you're going to see the, the jets be, uh, you know, a, a perennial contender in a few years. And, and the other thing is, you know, I think some people view this as the jets punting on, on 2020, which that's not really the point I'm about to make. You know, I, I don't think they're going to contend. I still think that they have a shot to make that seventh wild card. I don't really think, I think there's, I mean, they did finish seven, nine. It may have been a cupcake schedule the last, you know, uh, six games or whatnot, but, or eight games, but, you know, they had some good solid performances and, and, you know, uh, anyways, I just think they're, they're still around that same ballpark, but the point I'm trying to make here is that, that this trade was not um, Joe Douglas just sitting back like previous, this was an aggressive trade by a GM. This is a move that was with a vision, with a plan. And yes, Jamal Adams forced his way out. Yes. But, this is a, a vision and a plan and, and Joe Douglas is executing it. Um, this is an incredibly aggressive move. And I, I feel like if it was Mike McCagnan or John Idzik or whatever, you know, they probably would have just paid Jamal Adams 18, 20 million. And now it's like, okay, the cap has gone down. You're paying the strong safety, a ton of money. Who's great. Who knows if he gets injured or anything, but by the time that he needs, by the time you've built up the team to be good enough, you know, he's probably going to need a new contract. I mean, you're honestly fast-tracking the rebuild to being a perennial Super, Super Bowl contender. That's why I put out that tweet that said, you know, which road leads to the Jets being uh, Super Bowl contenders faster, which was the trade or keeping Jamal Adams. And it's not necessarily to say that, you know, do the Jets with Jamal Adams – are the Jets with Jamal Adams a better team? Yes. But three years from now, four years from now, you know, with the, the extra capital that they have, I don't know about that. I, I do – I mean, they have to execute on it. 
But this is an opportunity for Joe Douglas to fast track this rebuild into being perennial contenders where I don't think he would have had that with Adams. Um, so it's an incredibly aggressive move. I, I'm really excited about Joe Douglas and the vision that he has and, and the way he goes about things. We'll see about the head coach um, and to the lesser extent a quarterback, because I still believe in, in Sam quite a bit, but I do think the jets are heading in the, in the right direction. Um, Michael, unless you have anything else there, I guess we can, we can wrap it up. Um, that was a pretty long mailbag. I imagine I'll split this into a few parts. Um, but anything you want to add? I think everything you said on Joe Douglas really sums up uh, everything positive about him. Just a plan that makes sense. And <laughs> that's it. The, that, that's our bare minimum. It's just a plan. That's it. I'm not even going to add anything to that. I was going to, but I'm just going to leave it right there at that. A plan that makes sense. You, it's two parts there. You have to have a plan. And it has to make sense. I don't think and, Jets GMs of the past have hit both of those marks. And, and have to execute it. Because John Edick maybe did have a plan by trading Revis and getting all those picks, and then he just did not execute it. But Joe Douglas, I like the way it's going so far. We'll see how these picks pan out. Um, that'll do it for us. You can follow this podcast at CYJ Pod on Twitter. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, um, wherever. You can find us uh, at JetsXFactor.com. Again, this isn't just a company man talk. I really do think you should check out the site. It is uh, by far the, the best Jets website out there. Get a free trial, read the free articles, whatever. It's just some of the best content that you're going to find. I, I did make my writing debut. I, I do plan to write uh, quite a bit more. Um, wrote about how the NFL could do a bubble. So you can check that out. Michael has articles every day. So you can just always refresh Jet, Jets X Factor and you'll find yeah. his nerd stats uh, every day. Um, and I think that's all the plugs. I, oh, you can follow Michael at Michael underscore Nandy. I don't know if I said that. But um, all right, I guess that, that'll wrap it up. That was our mailbag. We look forward to doing more of these. And as I, as I said at the beginning, Michael and I's plan is to just have more episodes more frequently. Just, you know, uh, we'll see if maybe we go with the schedule. But I think the plan will just be to have multiple episodes a week. So there's just always CYJ in your feed. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and especially as we're, we're getting into uh, football season, guys have – you know, taking their physicals, taking their tests or getting into the to, to meetings. Technically training camp has started, even though it doesn't feel like that. Um, you know, I, I do miss seeing, I mean, it hasn't happened yet, but, and I think, I think by the time they're in padded practice, we'll get the training camp updates. Cause that's probably my favorite part of the summer is reading about how Darnold did on a seven on seven. Um, so that'll do it for us. Uh, we, we, we appreciate you listening. Um, our listens have been doing really well recently. So we, we uh, really appreciate that. Um, we'll be doing another mailbag probably in a bit. We'll probably have some guests on as well. And as I said, just content, 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 as I said, uh, you know, really excited about the way that the, the, the direction the jets are heading in. And as they head into their 2020 season, we couldn't be happier uh, to be bringing you podcasts. So, um, hope everybody's staying safe, staying healthy. And, uh, let's just hope there's a football season. Throw again. Okay. Throws one over the middle. It's tipped and it's intercepted. CJ Mosley's got it. Runs right to the 10. Touchdown! Bradley McDougal. 